want to greet each one of you in Jesus' name this morning. It's uh, it's our pleasure to have visitors here from different parts, from the north, I think, and from the south a bit. Uh, it's uh, good to have my first uh, cousin and cousin-in-law here, first cousin on my side, uh, and on my wife's side. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to be here and, and to be worshiping the Lord this morning. This morning I'd like to talk about trumpets. Uh, <clears throat> we've been hearing a lot about the sound of Trump in the last while. Uh, and uh, it's interesting, my, my, that's a bit political, but my, uh, and then interestingly enough, several, several weeks ago, or maybe it's been a couple months, uh, one of our children has uh, kind of hooked onto this song about the trumpet of the Lord. Maybe we can sing that later into uh, the message here. Um, I'm not exactly sure what turned me in this direction, except that you know I've been thinking more. I think of of uh, just world events and and the impossibilities that seem to be there uh, when I look at the events in the Middle East in our own country and so forth. Uh, impossibilities that seem to be much larger than any cliche answers we can get <clears throat> from from a world leader much deeper than human resources can go. And I think it makes me look forward more to the the trumpet sound, the sound of God awaking the dead, and we'll look at more of that later. But I'd like to look, first of all, Historically, biblically speaking, where we first hear trumpets. Um, you look back into the Old Testament, uh, and this is not the first mention, but maybe the first, perhaps the first mention of trumpets in the Old Testament is there at Mount Sinai, where God spoke to the people. The priests blew their trumpets, and He gave the law there at Mount Sinai. Then later on, uh, we we hear the trumpet being used for uh, awakening people, getting the people moving, the people of Israel moving. Um, The priests blew the trumpets and brought the people together and they started moving through the desert. Um, And and the trumpet, first of all, maybe we should look at what they had. It wasn't some complicated affair like we see today, you know, with a brass trumpet and, and a lot of little buttons here and so forth. I have a lot of respect for someone who can really play a trumpet good. It takes a lot of lung to, to make a trumpet sound and sound right. Um, but these trumpets were, this was just a ram's horn trumpet, as best I can tell. It was just made out of a ram's horn, a pretty good size ram's horn. Probably, I don't know if the priests were measured by the, their trumpets or not. We heard about clothes this morning and <clears throat> how not to judge each other by our dress and cars and so forth. But, um, these trumpets were just made out of horns, I guess, that were cleaned out, and somehow they they made these ram's horns trumpets, and they're still used in Jewish worship today. As I read, very simple looking affairs, and I, I would like to. I wish we could have a recording of one here. I, I don't know really how one sounds, but it must have been loud enough that you could hear it, that it could bring people to attention. Well, trumpets are a two-edged sword as we read through the Scripture. 
one side of it is the sound of coming judgment for the sinner, and the other side is the sound of victory, coming victory for the saint. So it's a two-edged sword, this, this trumpet sound. And I'd like to look at Jericho a bit. Um, if you would, open your Bibles to, to Joshua 2. I'm not going to read a lot here. Uh, I'm sorry, let's turn to Joshua 6. And I'd like to read about the fall of of Jericho here, just as a a context. Joshua 6, verse 1. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And and the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I've given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days, and the seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant. Let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. So Joshua did what the Lord told him to do here. He he told him to go ahead and take up these trumpets. And he said unto the people, Pass on and come past the city and let them let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass. When Joshua had spoken unto the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets, and the reward came after the ark, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout. Then shall ye shout. So the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about at once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets, and the armed men went before them. But the re-reward came after the ark of the Lord, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city, and it goes on to the third, and so on. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early up in the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. It came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. And the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she had the messengers that were sent, that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed things, lest ye make yourselves accursed. And on down to verse 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass, when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat, so the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. You know, it must have been a quite an experience there 
for the, the Jerichoites being in there and hearing these, or seeing this army, I think it was 40,000 armed men, uh, if you read earlier into Joshua, uh, circling this city time after time, day after day. And Jericho was a fort type of city as best I could, best I could pick up on the outskirts of the Canaanite lands. Um, here in a commentary by Paul Copen, it says, given what we know about the Canaanite life in the Bronze Age, Jericho and Ai were military strongholds. In fact, Jericho guarded the travel routes from the Jordan Valley up to population centers in the hill country. It was the first line of defense at the junction of three roads leading to Jerusalem, Bethel, and Orpha. Orpha. That means that the Israeli wars here were directed toward government and military installments. This is where the king, the army, and the priesthood resided. And it's talking about the Canaanite king, army, and uh, priesthood. So this, this city was like a, like we would know in our, we would think in our day as a fort, you know, us going out west, uh, and, and maybe in KC, Kansas City, or somewhere else, you know, forts put up at, a, at a, an important junction geographically. And, uh, and so this, it was important that the, the Israelites take this this uh, city, uh, and, and that it was it was it was the military outskirts of the Canaanites. And now um, MacArthur says that Jericho about Jericho. He says the city was fortified by a double ring of walls, the outer six feet thick and the inner twelve feet thick. Timbers were laid across these supporting houses on the walls. So you have like two walls: an outer wall twelve feet thick and the inner one six feet and then the timbers laid across them and then houses were built on that uh, on the exterior parts of these walls. Since Jericho was built on a hill it could be taken only by mounting a steep incline which put the Israelites at a great disadvantage. Attackers of such a fortress often use a siege of several months to force surrender through starvation. Well God had a different plan in mind. Now Jericho was also about 800 feet below sea level from what I read. Uh, so it must have been somewhat of a null at a, in, a de, in a depression. Um, but God used a different sort of method than, than general military might here for the, for the Israelites to, to take over this, this, uh, this uh, fortress city. And I can only imagine in, for the folks in Jericho that it must have been a worrisome affair here. All these trumpets blowing, these people, these men marching around each day, this ragtag army marching around each day, uh, day after day, silent, but trumpets blowing, march, march, and I don't know how the trumpets blew, you know, what kind of intervals, if they moved along a while, then they stopped and they blew the trumpets, or if it was a continual, uh, you know, March with trumpets blowing. I know, and we were, I imagine it being like a funeral we were at, and an Orthodox funeral we were at in Romania, or how those were, they would move along with their procession and then stop and, and, and go through their liturgy and then move ahead and then, you know, another couple, maybe a hundred yards, and then stop and go through some more liturgy and, and uh, have, have uh, some instruments playing and so forth. Um, kind of, Makes me think it may have been like that, you know, that they moved ahead and, and stopped and blew their trumpets. You know, the city of Jericho should have been as wise as, as was the harlot Rahab. 
you know, they, they should have been, they should have been uneasy. They, I, I can only imagine that they can only think that, that they were uneasy, but they should have been as wise in their uneasy, uneasiness as was the harlot Rahab. You know, even though they didn't have Fox News or CNN in that day, there was ample opportunity for those people to understand that there was a, a or the people of Jericho and understand there was a people coming, a people of, of Jehovah or Yahweh who was coming that, that were formidable beyond anything that they had ever seen before. Um, these people had been delivered from the mouth of, of Pharaoh's army by crossing the crossing of a Red Sea. They had consequently drowned Pharaoh's military. Uh, Rahab, when she was speaking to the spies that she was housing, she said this in, in Joshua 2.9. She said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, speaking of the Israelites, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. She said, I know she'd heard about this. She knew that this was happening. Thanks. And uh, that this was going on. And, and when she had the ch- opportunity here where she, she told these spies that, and for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when He came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God... He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. What a testimony of the God of Israel. I mean, she knew that there was, and their people knew that there was something really tremendous, extraordinary uh, going on here. And her plea was to them was, Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And this was Rahab, and I believe that this could have been, um, this could have been a broader uh, call for deliverance from the people of Jericho. She said, "Spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that, all they have, and deliver our lives from death." You know, I believe the Jerichoites uh, they most likely thought that Jordan River would would be an adequate barrier between them and and these Israelites. Maybe they had. Military that was ready, that were ready to, you know, grab the people as they came across the Jordan. They had to struggle across that Jordan. It was at high waters, uh, spring floods, from what I understand. And so they probably, in fact, they probably didn't even expect uh, the Israelites to be coming across at at that time. They were probably expecting a different time, maybe in the late late summer when the river would be drier, be down further. And so they, you know, they, they witnessed this, this water backing up all the way to another town way upstream. And, and they witnessed these Israelites coming across on dry, land, on dry ground. And, and I, I suppose the Jericho, people of Jericho were kind of feeling like their cards were being pulled out of their hands, out of their hand, you know, one at a time. Their, their hand was being lost. You know, first of all, these Israelites just kept coming closer, and what they thought would be barriers didn't didn't work. And Rahab and her family alone, they seemed to be the the only ones wise enough to 
to join with the people of God. Um, I suppose the others in Jericho were living in grave fear and, and trepidation, and probably not knowing what to do. The officials there ordered the traffic in and out of the city be, to cease, close the gates. Maybe they thought if they just kept a low profile, these Israelites would just kind of move past them. But that was not to be. God had determined this, this city be judged. And he was, I don't think judging so much the people as he was judging the idolatry in Canaan. The idolatry, the, the awful sinfulness that was going on there, the, 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 um, the, sacri- the human sacrifices, the sacrificing of children to the idols and so forth. That's what he was judging. And, and these people didn't wake up and see that, that uh, there, was, there could be hope. You know, there was another judgment in the Old Testament that was inevitable. It was coming. There was another city that God was going to to bring low, just like He did Jericho. He sent a prophet there, a prophet that didn't want to go. And He sent this, uh, this message with this prophet that repent, you know, or, or be destroyed. He actually told them to, that they'll be destroyed. Didn't tell them that they wouldn't be destroyed, as I recall, unless they repent. And this, this prophet took a submarine voyage in a live fish. And uh, it was a message of doom and gloom. But these, this city repented, and it was Nineveh. And she repented eloquently. She went to sackcloth and ashes. Uh, she was humble. And... She fasted, and even the beast participated in this fast. You know, God spared that city, and I believe God would have spared Jericho too if she would have been the same way. But I think maybe Jericho was was uh, thought, you know, because of her large walls and so forth, that they were impenetrable. Maybe she relied on you know the the past victories from conquistadors that came in maybe she thought we've staved off other people more mighty than this motley army uh you know from the wilderness here you know what an inferior army and we've staved off other people that are much worse much more skilled than them why be concerned about them she was relying on her own strength to face off an unusual enemy. And we, we read, you know, Joshua then, he obeyed the word of the Lord. He told them not to shout or make any noise with their voice, to go around the city, and that's what happened. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, six, and then seven came, and that must have been a very eerie experience for the folks in Jericho. This army like I talked about, of nomadic people marching around, blowing the ram horns trumpets. No other sound coming from them. And then there was this shout, and the city of Jericho fell. An unconventional battle followed by an overwhelming victory. The people went straight into the city, or went into the city. Every man straight before me, they took the city. Trumpets are used frequently in the Old Testament. 
there was Gideon again. Uh, you know, when he used his trumpets to scare out the Midianites, God had him blow the trumpets as a as his as his uh, weapon. It says they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. And then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for the blowing. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army of the Midianites cried out and fled. I wanted this for a bit of context. The the Bible, I believe, is is, uh, gives us a lot of good example and record of the Old Testament to give us a good sense of what to expect in the new. Today we're thinking of the trumpet of the Lord, not of the priest, not of Gideon. And actually, these were the trumpets of the Lord then as well. Because the Lord had Joshua blow the trumpet. He had the priest blow the trumpet there. Uh, And also had... Gideon blow the trumpet. So those were the trumpet of the Lord as well. But I'd like to read some scriptures in the New Testament that talked about the trumpet. Matthew, and uh, you're welcome to turn to these scriptures with me. Matthew 24, and I'll be reading through uh, several scriptures. Maybe before we do that, while you're looking that up, Let's take, let's uh, stand and sing uh, song number 212 out of Life Songs. When the roll is called up yonder, I'd like to focus on this, the, the trumpet of the Lord, the thinking of, 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 of the coming uh, day. Song number 212. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, shall be no more. And the glory breaks eternal bright in the air. When the sacred shall gather over from the other shore. And the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Yonder, I'll be there. 
seated. I'd like to read uh, Matthew 24, verses 25 through 31. The Lord speaking here, Behold, I have told you before, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth, behold, he is in the cheese. Behold, he's in the secret chambers, believe it not. So if they say he's in the desert or he's in the secret chambers, don't uh, go forth or don't believe it. For as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So don't be given to false alarm. Don't be taken up by sensational recordings. Um... He says, for, for wheresoever the carcass is, there shall the eagles be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened. The moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So when the Son of Man appears, there's going to be it's going to be without any sort of uh, lack of clarity. You know, that's a long way around of saying that. But it's going to be very clear when the Son of Man appears. They shall see the Son of Man in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And verse 31, And he shall send his angels with this great sound of a trumpet. And I don't know how he's going to make that ram's horn, if it is that you know sound over the whole earth. But let's read what it says. And they shall gather together his elect, his elect, speaking to his chosen ones, his children, the children of God, the children of Christ, from the four winds, from the east, west, north, and south, and from one end of heaven to another. Isn't that beautiful? It's going to be so clear. We're not going to need television networks to spread the news. It's going to be super clear that God is bringing his chosen ones together. The angels with the great sound of a trumpet gathering his elect from the four winds. When the roll is called up under, I'll be there. Think about that song. First Thessalonians first, uh, 4, verse 13 and 14. Well, actually through 18. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, Paul speaking here, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that they which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So hopefully this is a word of comfort to us this morning. A word of, a word of beauty in the day we're living in. You know, I can get depressed when I look at uh, the world situation and so forth. When I look at society around me and the decadence that seems to be increasing... I can get a bit depressed and yet it's saying here that you know, I believe these cycles have come and gone. There's been revivals. There's been falling away. But I believe we're, we're getting very close to this trump of God sounding. 
The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then which we are, then we quit, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 47 through 54. The first man is of the earth, earthly, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. So we're speaking of the first Adam and second Adam. As is, a, as is the earthy, such are also they that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we, also, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corrupt or corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And exactly what that change is, I don't know. Exactly, I don't think any of us will know in, in its fullness until the time comes. But we shall be changed from, corrupt, from corruption into incorruption, from mortality into immortality, from death into life. And the seed of, of God that we have in this in this shell of clay will explode. And the shell of clay, I think, will become very immaterial, unnecessary, and, uh, and, and not important to us anymore. It will have done its job, but it will disappear. And exactly what kind of new bodies and how that will be, I don't know. But I, I know God knows, and that's good enough for me. Um, we shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. For this, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, the mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death is finally consumed and victory is here. Life is given. Now I believe this trumpet call that we've read about in these three passages. The first passage in Matthew, he shall send his angels with the great trumpet, sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to another. And that means China, here, uh, Australia, whatever geographic place you can think of. In the sea, wherever it is, these saints will come together. And exactly where that is, I don't know. I have a suspicion, but I'm not sure. Um, they will come together and meet the Lord in the air. We know we'll be going up. Um, and then in First Thessalonians, for the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then which we which are alive and remain. These trumps, and then in First uh, Corinthians fifteen fifty two, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. I believe this. It's evident this trumpet call will be the irresistible 
call for the gathering of the saints. The irresistible call for the gathering of the saints. There will be nothing, absolutely nothing, that will be able to hold the saint in place when this trumpet call takes place. And again, the, the one who sounds this trumpet won't need the big news networks to help him publish the blast. He just won't need that. The one, the one who sounds this trumpet is of cosmic <clears throat> proportion. He's the one that created our world. He brought about a flood to purge evil on the earth. And I don't believe it's going to be a great thing for him to sound a blast of trumpet that every all his saints will hear. You know, God may not always be efficient. This is maybe moving a bit aside from this thought of the trumpets. God may not always be efficient according to our terms of efficiency, but he's always sufficient. You know, when we think about when we think about judgment, for example, it would be nice, you know, if evil would be judged quickly so that, you know, it couldn't grow and so forth in our minds. We, we like efficiency as humans. We have time that we're working with and we like to get as much done as we can and be as efficient as what we can be. But God is not necessarily tied to this thought of efficiency. God is sufficient. He does things in his own time and he does things sufficiently and he, he'll be able to bring his saints together in a very sufficient way. And thinking about that a bit, you know, Abraham and Sarah didn't start a great nation like that. They started very slowly. But by the time they left Egypt, by the time that nation left Egypt, um, most of those families out of the 12 tribes had, had grown from a tribe, a small family, to being 40 to 60,000 people, each, each, each member of the tribe. And they had become a people that God had talked about without number. When the flood came, it didn't happen overnight like that. It, it happened with time. God judged the earth. He had Noah built a boat. And then the, the fulfillment of judgment came to place. And the scoffers at that point, they cried, I believe. They pounded, I believe, on that ark. They tried to get in, but the door was shut. And it would never open again for them. They'd try to get away from the awful calamity of the flood and the destruction, but the door was shut. It was final. That, that judgment was sufficient. And I believe to the child of Christ, the blast of the trump of God will be the final call. It will be sufficient. It will be final. And it will be inclusive of all of God's children. It, it's the call that will, will shake all the forces of gravity, both spiritual and physical. I think it also be the final call of loyalty for God's people. You know, think of Achan and think of Rahab back there in Jericho. We had a, a lady there and her family that was inside the walls of Jericho on the wrong side of that whole situation, you would think, physically speaking. But God reached in and brought salvation because He knew where their hearts were. And Achan was on the right side. He was on the outside. He was part of the victory army. 
But he couldn't resist that treasure. There was something there he couldn't resist, and it brought him low. Brought his family low. Brought their destruction. Now, I believe the one who has his heart set on the earthly will not be prepared to rise, will not be prepared to heed the call of the final trump. I I, I remember the story about the the farmer who had a dream, and I guess he was in the the business, and he was uh, building the silos and so forth, and things were going pretty well. He had a dream one night that 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 the that the trumpet had sounded, and that he was starting to rise, but he got about so high, and he just would start coming back down, and he'd start riding. He was like, "Lord, you know, all these others are going up," and and then he just come back down again. And he finally figured out he wasn't rising any higher than his silo was tall. He had spent all that money on his silo, and he just couldn't get past it. And he realized. In his dream, he realized that that uh, you know this thing had become a, a big deal to him, a big financial treasure to him. Well, that's a kind of a trite story, maybe, but I think that we can relate to that. Um, you know, if we're not willing to to really give up what we have, um, could it be that it could create a string, a rope, a bondage that wouldn't let us rise? Something serious to think about on the day of, of the Lord when that trumpet sounds and calls all His people together. It'll be a day of judgment for those Achans. And Jude, it talks about, it says this, Jude 1, uh, 10 through 15, but these speak evil whatever they do not know and whatever they know naturally, like brute based in these Things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they've gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. If you look at all those descriptions, look into the depth of those, those are those are pretty uh grave. Cain, the murderer, heir of Balaam, the swore, the, the deceiver, perished in the rebellion of Korah, the rebellious ones. These are spots in your love feast, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Some interesting literature. Raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. And that is, folks, not a place where I would want to be on the day of the call of God on that final day. Now Hebrews, and I would like to close with this scripture here, Hebrews 12 talks about talks about the the day of the Lord. Verse 18, For ye are not, he's talking to the Christian, come unto the mount that might be touched, talking about Mount Sinai there, and that burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest. You know, the people at Mount Sinai, they were told to stay back, keep your distance or be killed instantly, be judged instantly. 
And he's saying, now, you aren't come to this sort of mount. And he says, in the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. They, they, they didn't want to hear anymore. They told Moses, you go. Tell us about it then. We, we can't take this anymore. For they cannot endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. This was the Old Testament announcement. The trumpets here sounding the Old Testament announcement of, of the law and the godly visitation there to the children of Israel, letting them know what he expected of, of them. But this is what he says that we are come to in the New Testament. You are come unto Mount Sion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to, the God, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who, who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. And this speaking from heaven, I'm not exactly sure what it's referring to, but my mind went to the angelic choir speaking and saying glory to God in the highest, announcing Jesus' birth in them. Earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Um, much different than that that announcement here at Mount Sinai. And then verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised that this is coming, saying, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. The last and final announcement of trumpets. The voice of the archangel and the trump of God. It will be an unmistakable. No charlatans or shysters will ever be able to precipitate or make a sound like it, or make a form like it, or the result as of it. And just as the flood was cosmic in its effect and judgment, even more so will the judgment following the blast of the trump of God be. The trump of God will sweep the whole earth and bring all mankind to their knees. Like I said, it's a sword, it's a double-edged sword, one of one of terror and one of uh, of victory. And this trump of God, every says that at the trump of God, every knee will bow. I believe in either reverence or terror. And I believe that includes the very casual unbeliever to the very deepest skeptic or atheist will be brought to their knees in terror at that trump of God. And I believe our reaction to this is determined by how we're reacting to the voice of Christ today. Which side of the wall we're on in our heart, and, and uh, it's, 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 it's very important that we're on the right side of the wall, but it's also important from the exterior, but it's also it's more important that we're right on the right side of the wall from our heart. 
And that, that those trumpets that we're hearing will be that that trump of God that we're hearing will hear will be the sound of, of victory, not of defeat. And I have to think of one last scripture here, and that's the scripture of Jubilee. It shall be. A, uh, it, it talks about in Leviticus the year of Jubilee. The day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet to sound throughout your land, and you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. And I believe that's what it will be for the Christian. In Psalm 100, uh, it says there that God hath created us. We are made for his glory and for his purpose. And, and this trump, when it sounds, the blast of the trump of God, when it sounds, is bringing us back to Him in a fullness that is complete, is sufficient. And I look forward to that day. I look forward to it the more so because I know that mankind is not sufficient, but God is. And uh, I want to be, and I believe we all want to be on the right side when that trumpet sounds. God bless you.